scripture. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Please be seated. Please keep your Bibles turned to Mark chapter 10. We'll be camped out there for uh, all of this morning. We are continuing a sermon series. A sermon series based on the gospel according to Mark for up to chapter 10 beginning in verse 17. The story is told about a very rich Texan. He was an oil man. He was a rancher. He was also a, um, well, he was a farmer. He invited a preacher to come out to his ranch to have a meal. And, and after that meal, the Texan took the preacher out on the grounds and he pointed in the direction of the north. He said, see there in the north, you see all those oil rigs? Each and every rig is mine. It's mine. Then he pointed to the south. And to the south, he pointed to all these acres of grain. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres of grain. And he said, preacher, you see there to the south, that direction, all that crop, that's all mine. Everyone's mine. Then he pointed to the east. He said, see there in that direction, you see that large herd of cattle? Every head is mine. And then finally, he pointed to the, to the west. To the west, in that direction, was massive trees, a, a large forest. And he said, preacher, you see there to the west, all those trees, all that timber, all that is mine. Then he paused, because he thought that the preacher would be so impressed that he would probably say something about it, and he got ready for the compliment, for the praise. But the preacher did not praise him. The preacher said, well... I've got one question for you. And he pointed up this way. He said, how much do you have in that direction? To which the Texan said, well, I've never considered that. This morning, I want us to consider that question. How much do we have in that direction? How much do we have? How do we gain an inheritance that will last forever. Because that's what we want. Go back to the verse that Billy read. This young man, he runs up to Jesus. He doesn't want Jesus to leave until he can ask him one more question. He asks, what shall I do? Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life. You see, this man we have here, he stands in stark contrast to the children who had come to Jesus in the previous verses. The children, they had come in their simple faith and Jesus had received them. But this man, as we will discover, he has a problem. He's got pride. He's got arrogance, and more importantly, he's got a major sin in his life. Now, looking at this man, I would say he is a self-made man. 
Because he is relying on himself. He had pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. He had accumulated all that he had. He had gained all that he had, and he knew it. He had worked hard, no doubt, to become rich in this world's goods. Now he wants to know, what work? What do I do to have riches in the next world? Well, that's a very good question, isn't it? Now, I want you to note that this man calls something Jesus. He called Jesus good teacher. Now, that was not in the custom of the Jewish people. The Jewish people did not call a mere human good. That was probably based on 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2. So they refused to call a human good. So here is this man, this young man, and he calls Jesus good. But we're going to find out something here. We're going to find out we got a problem. What's the problem? The man believes he is good too. Verse number 18. So Jesus said to him, Why? Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. Then verse 19. You know the commandments. He points them back to the law of Moses. Because see, they're still living right now under the law of Moses. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Now, he quotes the Old Testament here. But I want to add one more verse because it's very, very important. Leviticus chapter 18. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgment, which if a man does, he shall live by them, and I am the Lord. Now, what does that imply? That implies that you must live by the law 24-7. You can't do it occasionally. You can't do it when you just want to do it. They had to live by the law. They were instructed to live by the law 24-7. So what does this young man say? He answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. In fact, over in Matthew 19, Matthew's account of this story adds that the young man said, What else do I lack? What, what's I'm, what am I missing? What do I need to add to that list? What one thing can I do to make sure that I have eternal life? If this man had buttons, now he didn't, they didn't have buttons on their clothes like we have today. But if he had buttons on his clothes, those buttons would have been popping off because he was so proud of himself. He is saying, I'm perfect. I'm good. I've done all of this. I've kept it perfectly. Really? Really? He thinks he's blameless. 
But Jesus knows he's not. Look at verse 21. Then Jesus looking at him. This word right here in the Greek is the very same word that is recorded in Luke chapter 22. When Jesus turns to Peter, just after Peter had made that third denial, and, and, and Peter denies Jesus that third time, and Luke records that Jesus turned and looked at him. That's a look that cut through. My mother, when I was growing up, all she had to do was just give me that look. You know, if she gave me that look, oh, I just melted. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus sees someone that could be a follower. Jesus sees someone that could be a disciple. But we've got a problem. One thing you lack. There's something you need to do. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross. Take up this life. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be some hardships. Take up the cross and follow me. Wow. What's wrong here with this man? He had broken the first commandment. The first commandment dealt with God and how we treat God. We put God number one according to the old law. And God was not number one in this man's heart. In this man's heart, money was his God. And then we have verse 22, which I think is one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. Verse 22, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful. Circle that word sorrowful. For he had great possessions. This is the only account of someone who comes seeking Jesus, seeking to be closer to the Lord, and walks away sorrowful. He was unwilling to give it all to be with Jesus. And who of us today would do the same? Who of us would sell everything we have and give it all to the poor? Now, most of us might be willing to give some of what we have, and we do that every Sunday, we give. And some of us might be willing to give most of our possessions, but I dare say that none of us would actually give it all to the poor. Why? Because we think we need some of that stuff to, to live on, don't we? But do we? Isn't Christ sufficient in all things? Now here's my point. Don't miss it. None of us would do what Jesus asked this rich man to do. Why? Because none of us in and of ourselves are that good. None of us are that good. In June of 2006, Warren Buffett, one of the richest men in the world announced that he would give 85% of his $44 billion fortune. He would give it to five charities. 
Here is Buffett's quote about that decision. There is more than one way to get to heaven, but this is a great way. Warren Buffett is wrong. It isn't. Not according to Jesus, none of us, none of us are good enough to save ourselves. And that's exactly the point that Jesus makes with His disciples. Verse 23, Then Jesus went and said to His disciples, How hard, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were, circle this word, astonished at his words. They were astonished. Why? It's because they believed in their minds that this man that had walked away sorrowful, that he represented some of the best among them. You see, in the Jewish mindset, God blesses the righteous with material wealth. In the Jewish mindset, God curses the wicked with poverty. Now, that's not correct, but in the Jewish mindset, that's how they looked at it. Verse 24 again. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier. Now, Jesus often used humor. Remember the, the, the guy with the beam, the two-by-four stuck in his eye trying to get the little speck out of the other guy's eye? That's humor. Here he uses humor again. He says, it is easier for a camel. It would be easier for you to get a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus says you're wrong. You've got the wrong perspective. More importantly, you have the wrong priority. Continue, verse 26. And they were greatly astonished. Now, they're not just astonished, they're greatly astonished. And they're talking among themselves. Who? Who then can be saved if the best of our bunch represented by this rich young man, if he can't be saved, then who exactly can be saved? See, that's the question. That's the question going through the minds of these these disciples. Jesus answered, verse 27, But Jesus looked at them. All through this story, have you noticed that word looked? Jesus is looking at their hearts. Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. You've got the wrong perspective. It's not riches, it's God. We cannot save ourselves, but God can. Therefore, if we want to inherit eternal life, if we want to enter into God's kingdom and be faithful to God's kingdom, we cannot rely on ourselves. By ourselves, we can't do it. By ourselves, we will fail. We dare not depend on our own good deeds. Instead, we must rely 
on the Lord. We must put our confidence, our trust in the Lord. My friends, when we come to Jesus, don't come like this rich young man who thought he could do one something, one deed, one work, and that he could merit heaven. We can't do that. It won't work. We must come to Jesus like those children in verses 13 through 16 who came to Jesus in simple faith. Simple faith. Clara Barton and the Red Cross, during the Spanish-American War, they found themselves down in Cuba serving the needs of the, of the soldiers. Teddy Roosevelt famous with the Rough Riders. He approached uh, Miss Barton because uh, his men needed some supplies. He said, now, I'm going to pay for this myself. The military's not going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for this myself. Um, I need to buy, and he made a list. And he was shocked because Clara Barton said, no, I won't sell you what you just told me you needed. And Teddy Roosevelt, he went off in a huff. Well, how dare her say that to me? Does she not know who I am? Does she not realize my need? To which one of his lieutenants said, uh, Sir, all she wants you to do is ask her. She won't sell it, but if you ask her, she'll give it. And that's what he did. That's the way it is with eternal life. We can't buy it with our good merits, our good deeds. We receive it as a gift through our obedience to His Word. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of itself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not what we have merited, it's what we have gained by obeying the Lord. Next, don't boast about your sacrifices. Don't boast about your sacrifices. Don't brag about how much you have done, how much you have given up for the Lord. I'm going to do a little test here. How many, by a show of hands, how many recognize this face, this guy? I see a lot of hands going up. Hey, I'm sorry, you've dated yourself. I know how old you are now. This is Eddie Haskell from the show Leave It to Beaver. Now, what was Eddie Haskell famous for? He was famous for being not what he portrayed himself as. He portrayed himself around adults as what? Goody two-shoes? You know, the golden boy? Perfect? But he sure wasn't. Don't be an Eddie Haskell. We need to be real. We need to be genuine. Don't make a big deal about what it costs you to follow Jesus. Now, unfortunately, that's what Peter did. And notice what he says. Verse 28. Then Peter began to say to him, Lord, oh, see, we have left all. And followed you. Oh, by the way, Lord, I'm first in line. You know, I'm the one that pointed it out. I'm first in line. Really, Peter? You've left it all? 
Remember where we find Peter after the resurrection? He's out there what? Once again fishing like he had before. He had returned to his fishing. Peter thinks, you know, we've left it all. That, to makes, that makes us better people, right? We're better than the other ones around us. Notice what Jesus says to him, verse 29. Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one. That includes you, Peter. That includes the other eleven. There is no one who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Think about the early church. How they had all things in common. How they had gained a, a spiritual family. There were thousands of them that had obeyed the gospel. And they were united together. They had gained so much more even though they had given up their own physical family in many cases. Their own place in the community in many cases. They had gained. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecutions. Oh, by the way, there's going to be some persecution. It's not going to always be easy. And in the age to come, eternal life. And in my mind, in my mind, I can picture Jesus putting His arm on Peter's shoulder and saying this, verse 31, But many who are first will be last, and the last first. The things we do, is it for our glory, or is it for the Lord's glory? The things we give up, our sacrifices, Sometimes our sacrifices are really not for the Lord, they're for ourselves. Take note of Matthew chapter 6. In that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. On the other hand, when we sacrifice and give from the heart, not because we want recognition, but simply because we love the Lord, then there is great reward. Whether we are rich or poor in this world of ours, doesn't really matter. What really matters is our faith, and will that faith cause us to obey? It's our relationship with the Lord, are we obedient to Him? Are we living for Jesus 24-7? Our relationship with His family, the church, that He gives us right here and all around us in this church and around the world. That's how to be rich. Is to be rich spiritually. This morning, are you rich spiritually? Are you a Christian? Notice these verses here. 
believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Those verses are not my words. Those words are from Jesus Himself. Have you done that? Have you started your Christian life 